Glory. It's good. Pray in tongues all the time. We pray in tongues all the time. It's so important. Keep your tongues of fire resting on your head so you don't have the tongues of liars on your head. That's how you actually get pulled into temptations. That's how people get into lust and they get into adultery. That's how you see so many different preachers fall over the years and get into just strange sin and people that once walked with us and now all they care about is money. And you just see all these crazy things happen to people because they didn't stay in the tongues of fire. Oh my goodness. Tongues will keep you in your destiny. <laughs> Paul says he prayed in tongues more than everyone else he was ministering to. Well, you know you had to because there were so many tongues out to get him. You know, a tongue is a word. At Pentecost, when they're baptized in tongues of fire, those were the words of God that baptized them. Jesus Christ baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire, and it removed all the fear. They were cowering in the upper room about 2,000 years ago this week, the week of Pentecost. Hallelujah. They were cowering, door locked, and then all of that fear, which is a tongue, Fear is a tongue. Fear is a demon, actually. Fear isn't just an emotion or a feeling. It's a spirit. The Bible calls it a spirit of fear. That's the main thing tempting you people to not go deeper into God, is the spirit of fear and the spirit of unbelief. Truth, anyhow. And the tongues of fire just annihilate it. You see Peter, he goes from being fearful to being bold instantly. You need the boldness of Jesus Christ, the boldness of the Lion of Judah. My righteous one is as bold as a lion. That's the impartation of tongues. You can pray in tongues eight hours a day. You could read your Bible eight hours a day. Well, I don't have time. Well, whatever time you do have, He'll open it up for more time. If that's the most important thing for you, that's what you'll give your time to on earth. You know, time is like a field. What did you spend your time doing? Everyone will be judged according to how they spent their time. What did you spend it on? And it's there's a lot of wonderful things you can do. It's not rigid. It's not rigid. It's not like this strict and serious punishment. God's not a religious devil. God's not a taskmaster. God is wonderful. The Father is a good Father. He loves you perfectly. But you are rewarded according to how you spend your time. And there is punishment if you spend your time doing sinful activity because it has to be removed. The Bible says they'll go through weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll go through fire. The believer's rewards are tested in fire. Everything that is done in the name of Jesus in all Christian ministry is being tested in fire. Even tongues of fire. Even the words of God. Your word is a judgment seat. Read Psalms 119. It's all about the statutes, the precepts, the commandments, the Word of God, and it's all about judgment. People think that judgment's a bad thing, but the tongues of fire were a judgment upon the spirit of fear. When you're praying in tongues, you're judging demons, you're judging angels. People think judging holy angels, but how about we start judging some unholy angels? And your atmosphere clear up real quickly, and your prosperity will shine like the noonday sun. Huh! 
Your tongues judge angels. You can decree the word of God and judge angels every single day. Don't let Satan and his angels mess with you. People are afraid. They don't want to look at their sins too closely. They want, don't want to examine their own heart. They don't want to uproot everything in their belly. But you need to. You got to. You want to. You need to get cleansed. You need to get purified. Confess your sins one to another, and all your sins will be forgiven. Purify yourself from all unrighteousness. It actually says you'll purify yourself when you start using your tongue to purify instead of to defile. The tongue can defile anyone. You can come into covenant with devils, and everything you speak will be a, a demon on a person. You can pray prayers like pagans. When a pagan prays, they actually speak demons. Now these are tongues. And it's a white tongue and it's a black tongue of white magic and black magic. That's what Janes and Jambres is. And Paul says to Timothy, we're dealing with Janes and Jambres, Timothy. Apostle to apostle, this is the magic arts. John wrote about it, Paul wrote about it. It's everywhere in the New Testament. What you're warring against is the realm of death and sorcery and adultery and immorality and all the works of devils. And devils have taught the nations magic arts for thousands of years. Most of you have been taught magic arts pretending to be Christianity. If you're not in the glory and in the power and in the tongues of fire, there's no doubt about it. You've been trained in sorcery in Babylon the Great since the day you were born. Everyone has. That's what Babylon the Great is. In Babylon the Great, everyone is trained in magic, even if they don't know it. If you don't know it, you're controlled by those that know it, but you're still practicing magic arts. Every tongue is a spell. What? Oh, it's that mystical? Yes, it is. Every single tongue, every utterance, every word, every thought, every imagination, every intention of the heart, is a spell. And you get out the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is all the magic arts of Satan and his angels, the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil, black and white magic. Come on. You get that out, the knowledge of good, the knowledge of evil of Satan and his angels, then you only speak, instead of magic spells, the word of God, the tongues of fire, prayer. That's what prayer is. Prayer is praying in agreement with the white throne judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment of the seat of Christ removes the tongues of Satan and his angels. And not just Satan and his angels, also humans. To be human is actually to be in covenant with Satan and his angels. Well, that's not fair. Well, it's the truth anyhow, because if you're in covenant with Jesus, you're more like the angels than the animals. You bear the image of God the Creator and not the image of birds and reptiles, Romans chapter 1, it is written. And it's all about the tongue. It's about the mark of the mouth, the circumcision of the heart, and your tongue steers the blood of your heart. It's true. James says the tongue is a rudder, and it can completely change the course of your life. And you speak out of whatever's in your heart. And you can have a lot of glory in your heart, and your words carry weight and power and authority and dominion and creative ability. Angels will obey every word that is uttered out of your heart. When your heart is full of Christ, 
full of intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there's no other intentions in your heart except to heal and deliver everyone at the sound of your voice, the voice of many waters, constantly. But if you have wickedness in your heart, wow, it's mixture. Can salt water and fresh water come out of the same well? Wow. So we're schizophrenic. Sometimes we'll be speaking sweet water. Other times we'll be speaking bitter water. You notice that? Is everyone double-minded? Is everybody coming out of double-mindedness? Yes, every single person in the whole world. After you're born again, you burn off the grave clothes. You burn off the unrenewed mind. You burn off the fleshly, carnal mind. You burn off your soul and your grave clothes and everything that's attached to the natural realm for the abilities of the glory realm. And it's all about feasting. You feast on His Word. You feast on His wine. You feast on His oil. All of His goodness. All of His promises. You get to know who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are. You spend hours and hours, as much as you can, in the Bible. The Bible will reveal to you who you are in Christ. <laughs> you cannot know who you are in Christ without reading the Word. You know, if you're a new Christian, read the New Testament. Read the red letters, you know. God's speaking to me about the importance of the red letters. You know, I didn't name this ministry Red Letter Ministries. God did. He called it the Red Letter Ministry. Now, I would have called it something way more crazy than that. That was like, what was I doing for 10 years in such a wild, drunken glory ministry? And we have this name that sounds like a religious Pharisee ministry. That was God's idea. He said, call your ministry the Red Letter Ministry, and I'll bless this ministry because it'll be my ministry. None of this is my idea. It's all God's idea. I'm just kind of going for a ride. Truth anyhow. Oftentimes, I don't even know what he's doing. I just walk by faith, not by sight. You know, just praying. Where are the promises like you said? I obeyed you in everything you asked me to do, Lord. Like, everybody's still acting like a total crazy, you know? The numbers are the same they've been for five years, and we obey you. He's like, just keep growing internally. Stop looking in the natural realm. Stop looking at others. If you look at others, you'll be discouraged. You look at others, you'll be frustrated. If you keep your mind fixed on Jesus, you get your faith authored and perfected. Most of this is about training up leaders. Most of this. The majority of this is about finding and harvesting the leaders of cities and the leaders of nations. The leaders of hundreds and the leaders of thousands. And the leaders of tens of thousands. And stay humble. But most of this work is about training up leaders. So you're not looking for just, you know, the throngs of people. Like Jesus had throng, the word throng, not to be confused with thong, but throng actually means numbers beyond counting. See what I did there? Mess with your lust spirit real quick. Threw that in there. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The throngs, the Bible calls it throngs, they're following Jesus, but then he'd say something like, eat my flesh, and then they all walk away. Like, eh, I was just here for the free food. I was just here for the sensation. I just wanted to feel the glory. I don't have any actual heart commitment to anything you're doing. I'm not even a part of Jesus Christ's ministry. I just wanted the free stuff, you know? That's everywhere. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Constantly. You had the masses following him, but any time he asked for a commitment in their heart to actually bring any kind of sacrifice of, 
of their finances, to bring any kind of sacrifice of their family. You know, they, they weren't with their families anymore. They sacrificed their businesses. They were fishermen. They had all these other things going on, but they sacrificed them, you know? Those were the real deal. Those, that's the, the leaders. These are the people that we're looking for. The ones that are actually going to sacrifice. The ones that are actually going to become disciples of the kingdom of heaven. You know, anyone can come around when, you know, it feels good and there's revival and they're rolling around on the ground and everyone's drunk and happy and laughing. But, you know, they got there because some disciples were raised up. If you want never-ending revival in the nations, you need a deeper commitment in your heart of self-sacrifice, whatever it takes. And it's going to cost you and it's going to be painful because all of us are still dealing with stuff that attach us to the natural realm. All of us. And God just loves working on it. He's the vine dresser. Jesus Christ called the Father a vine dresser. Now people hate having their vines dressed. You think, oh, yes, no, not me. I love to be pruned. Oh, please, fleece the sheep. You know, trim my nails. And they're screaming, they're hissing, you know, and it's like, can the sheepfold still turn to cut your nails? And they're like, oh, and it just twitched because it's scared, and you cut its toe off, and it's like, really? <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen that with dogs. You know, it's like, oh, they trimmed the nail a little bit. The father's a vine dresser and he fleeces the sheep. You have to understand the nature of the father's discipline and it's for your benefit. Okay, we're a tree of life and there are branches in our life that need to be cut off that are not bearing fruit. There are relationships that need to be cut off that are not fruit bearing relationships. If you want God, there are things that are going to be trimmed off your heart and off your mind and off the patterns of your natural life. Where you go. What you do, what you say, who you hang out with. You want to be holy? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You need to be set apart from sin. Amen. And now you can be in the midst of the sin and, not, and be perfectly holy. Jesus would hang out with the most wicked sinners and He is the Holy of Holies. Jesus Christ is the Holy of Holies. I'm not talking about being secluded from the world. Paul talks about that and deals with that infancy level of understanding in the Bible. We're not talking about coming out of the world. We're talking about being totally set apart in your heart and mind from the world so that when you're in the world, you're shining bright like a holy of holies. Shining bright like a torch. Shining bright like the morning star. You can be set apart and be in the midst of the worst sin in the world like we are here in the crack cocaine epidemic in a crack house, a former crack house that the gangsters ran for 20 years and distributed all the cocaine through the upper Midwest through this house. That's what this crack house is. That's why we call it the crack house. We're missionaries here in a crack house in the crack cocaine epidemic for the last 11 years in North Minneapolis. I mean, we have stories that would just blow your mind and we've told you some of them. But I'm telling you guys, it, it can't get on you. There's sin, there's adultery, there's pharmakia, there's witchcraft, you know? And it is. I remember moving in here and the father showed me this witch, witch doctor and he said, this is the spirit of Babalu. I said, the spirit of Babalu? And he showed me this witch doctor is the spirit of cocaine. And that's what you're warring against in this region, fighting that Babalu demon spirit of pharmakia, crack cocaine, and cocaine that just gets people so messed up in their brain. And he showed me the demon. 
before I even moved in here. You're going to be warring against this demon. This demon has killed so many people in the black community, so many people in, in all nations. This is a demon that people love. This demon is powerful. And we're going to take out that demon. The demon of cocaine. Hallelujah. And we are. We've had tremendous success. People are just throwing away their drugs. Hallelujah. People are like, what do you do? Well, we do a lot. People throw away their drugs. I've seen many people get rid of drugs. Many people get rid of alcohol. The glory is the real deal. Cocaine, alcohol, marijuana is the wrong deal. It's the pretending wannabe fake stuff. It is. Even People are like, well, what about marijuana? Marijuana is a counterfeit for Jehovah Wanna. Let me tell you, you're wrong, you're an idiot. You're carnal and you're an unbeliever. If you're going to drugs and alcohol, you're carnal, you're immature, and you're full of unbelief. That doesn't mean you're not saved. I'm not saying if you did cocaine or if you did alcohol or if you did marijuana, you'd go to hell. But I'm telling you, you're letting hell into your soul, into your flesh, and it could creep down and kill your spirit and kill you eventually if you don't stop sinning. The end result of sin is death, the Bible says. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's an inferior pleasure. I've done every drug there is many, many times. And if, there, and if God wasn't better than drugs, I'd be dead or still on drugs. But God is actually, in fact, a superior high. There's no high like the most high. And I'm not just saying that to sound cute, you know. I'm saying that because it's true. The glory of the Garden of Eden is the physical high that you're looking for. This is what will save my generation from the drug epidemic, from heroin, from cocaine, from alcohol abuse, from all the stupidity. And, I, you know, I went through all of it just like everyone else, and I know the temptations, and I understand the pull, and there's nothing there. It's a bottomless pit. The pleasure is temporary, but then you end up in bondage. And I look into the people's eyes that are still in bondage, and they are crying. They are dying. They are suffering. It is not a good feeling. And if I don't get another hit of alcohol or a boyfriend or a girlfriend and sexual... Because it all goes together. It's all rebellion. All immorality, all drugs and alcohol go together. It's the city of rebellion. And the Bible calls it the city of of Satan's Sodom in the underworld. It's a spiritual city of amphibian demon spirits, of lust spirits, of drug and alcohol spirits and rebellious spirits. And all those spirits get annihilated by the city of Mount Zion when you repent and leave Sodom and come into Zion. Hallelujah. That's what it means to be saved. To leave in your heart and your mind the spiritual city of Sodom and come into the spiritual city of Zion. Sodom is where the demons are, the demons of drugs and alcohol, the demons of revelry, the demons of sexual morality. They're all demons. There's hundreds of millions of demons that want to kill you in Sodom with rebellion. And you just stop rebellion like the young prodigal son, and you go back to God the Father, and you enter Zion. And instead of getting beat up, He forgives your sins. Amen? Shocking. Instead of being punished, you're washed, forgiven, and given a royal robe. He makes you a son when you come fresh out of the pig trough. It's not about cleaning yourself up. It's about just changing your heart and thinking in your mind, I wonder what will happen if I go to God. 
If I ask Jesus into my heart, if I ask God the Father to be my Father, the Father of my spirit, and the Father of my life, and to Father my soul in this life, in this world, what would happen if I give my life to God today? He's going to put a royal robe on you. (laughs) He won't even bring up the things you've done in your past. God is a good God. God is a good Father. He won't beat you up. Satan wants to tell the rebellious people that God's going to punish them. So don't go to God. And he keeps you in shame. He keeps you feeling all kinds of terrible. And he reminds you of all the sins you've done. Memories, flashbacks, you know, of of the sexual partners. And we try to bury it, you know, but God's going to unbury it. God's going to get you healed. God's going to restore your virginity. Many Christians still have not had their virginity restored after they're born again. And they're holding it down, and it comes out all the time, and it looks really nasty. It looks like you've you're still got some serious wounds in your soul that need healing from sexual morality, from relationships in the past, from soul ties. <laughs> And it comes out, and, and they're posting all this stuff about boys and girls and lust. It's like, whoa, where did that come out? What are you doing hiding all that lust still in your body, in your heart, in your tent? Let God restore your virginity. It's a better feeling. Lust is a delusion. It's it's delusional. There's nothing there. Walking in love and having true relationships and sincere, agape, divine, Holy Ghost love is fulfilling. It's enriching. It's wonderful. That's what you're created for, to have fellowship comradeship with brothers and sisters in the glory. All the lust stuff is a lie of the enemy. There's no fulfillment in it. It's a bottomless pit. It's death. Come out of the delusion of lust and come in to the real deal of divine love. It fulfills every area of your heart, every longing of the heart. We all have them. We were created for love. People, I don't care how tough you think you are, I mean, I deal with gangsters, 36 organized gangs around here. I've dealt with every mafia. I've, beyond just regular little street-level gangsters, I deal with the mob. And I don't care how many people you've killed, how strong and tough you think you are. I can melt that red dragon off of you. I can melt the murder off of you with the liquid, with the liquid love of God the Father today. God the Father is more powerful than mobsters. God the Father is more powerful than killers. God the Father is more powerful than organized crime and gangsters. And even years and years and many generations of people that have served in organized crime, God's dealing with the root system of organized crime, the root system of cities and nations. He is. Because all it is is delusion. It's lust. All it is is Satan and his angels fathering bloodlines. Satan is a false father. Satan has fathered many families. Some of those families are extremely rich because they've been fathered by devils for a long time. They've obeyed devils for a long time. They've done the devil's will for a long time. I know the father is not going to kill those families, but forgive and wash those families. Those families don't know anything about the goodness and the love of God. I look at Christians that have lesser faith than me, and they say, oh, well, God will just kill the Illuminati. God will just kill mafias. God will just kill gangsters. God will just kill, you know, 
the Democrats or, you know, the deep state or, you know, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and God is just going to kill everybody. And they got this kill, kill, murder. And it's like, you're not any, any better than the Red Dragon. You're just a lower ranking little peon in the Red Dragon system acting like that. You need to get into divine love if you want to make a dent in the situation in the world right now. It's only the Father's love that will wash away the sins of the nations. You don't understand what some families have gone through. We have been tempted by everything Satan and his angels have. And I bet you most of you would have given in to the temptations of money, temptations of girls and guys. So who's to say you're any better than anyone else? Just because you don't have the rewards of saying yes to those temptations, you sit back there in a religious spirit and judge others and think you're better than them. No, that's still the devil. The only one better is Jesus, and Jesus isn't going to kill these people. Jesus is going to wash them. They don't want to be washed. I'm around people, high-level high people all the time. In the, in the Illuminati, high-level people in Freemasonry and Daughters of the Eastern Star, high-level people in secret societies, they stick out like sore thumbs to me because I walk in such deep glory, tremendous glory, and light just reveals darkness. They'll even just start speaking out their secrets. I mean, they'll just break their Masonic vows like, like that. You know, it's like, what, you, what? What? Oh, because God the Father is walking around through a Son of God on earth, and it's everything hidden in darkness comes into the light. You'd be surprised. The Father has been teaching the sons of God for a very long time to operate in unconditional, high-level glory and love that will wash away all the sins of the nations. And we're talking about sin on the level of covenant with Satan and his angels. I'm not talking about, oh, I, I stole a pencil in kindergarten. I'm talking about people that have given their hearts to the devil. People that have joined secret societies. People that have killed other people. People that have spoken lying tongues and word curses on purpose in cults and secret societies to kill and sacrifice their brothers and sisters to the fallen angels. People that have systematically been used by Satan and his angels to kill, steal, and destroy from cities and nations. I'm talking about real sin here. I'm talking about real organized sin. White magic, Johnny's and Jambres stuff that Paul deals with in Timothy. We're dealing with organized sin. People want to pick on gangsters and mafia, but I'm telling you, anytime you have organized sin, you have a group of people in agreement with the devil. And that vow has to be broken by someone that comes up as a champion of grace, raises a standard of love, and washes their sins. Unless you're operating in a higher realm of love in the Spirit, you can't make a dent in it. If you're just yelling at them, telling them they're wrong, and you're all a bunch of sinners, you're all going to hell, you're not going to change them. What actually changes them is you going higher in the Spirit, sacrificing your human nature that's critical and judgmental of everyone, and then begin to wash them with an open heavens, with the reign of Christ, with the love of God. God sent His Son to die on an altar so that we could be like the Father and wash them with the river of life. What they're operating in is death. Most Christians still have a mixture of death in them. So there's not going to be any judgment upon people in the world until the Christians are without spot and wrinkle. And I'm looking at these people, they can barely stand right now the teaching and the preaching of the sons of God that's without spot and wrinkle. I mean, 
99% of Christians hate the sons of God. So we need a lot of purification of the Christians first so that we're not hypocrites pointing out all the sins in others. Amen? So we're operating in such a high level of spotless, wrinkle-free love that we can wash the world. The judgments you're looking for to have heaven on earth and peace on earth, <laughs> peacemakers, is in the high glory realm when your whole heart and mind are up in the third heaven but your body's still on the earth. And then you begin to wash people. The judgments you're looking for is in the floods of love, in the floods and in the rivers of glory, the rivers of tongues of fire, and it's not in anything of the religious realm. We've been so mixed in with religion that we haven't seen judgments, and the judgments are the breakthroughs you're looking for. Judgment brings breakthrough. Without judgment, you'll never have a single breakthrough because a breakthrough is something just got judged. And it's usually a demon. It's usually a stronghold. It's usually something in the spirit, something over your head, something in your brain, something you're connected to in the underworld and an altar to a demon in hell. And the chains break and the altar breaks and you're free because of judgment. Judgment always promotes everyone that receives judgment from the white throne judgment seat of Christ. The best and fastest way to grow in every area of God the Father is to ask for judgments and let His judgments wash through your heart. Instead of judging others, you get judged. And then you start to love by the judgments of Christ in your own heart. And there's no more hypocrisy. There's no more religiosity. And you just become Jesus on earth. You will, they will know we are Christians by our love. That is the highest realm you can walk in. It's beyond gifts. It is, it's beyond the gifts of the Spirit. That's why Paul says, first, I will show you the way that transcends them all, love. And then in love, you'll have gifts, but love is the foundation of gifts, the higher realm that controls the gifts. People that operate in gifts without love are like witches. They're not going to make it. They'll destroy themselves because the motivations of their heart are for personal gain. Everything in Christ is based on love. And God is love. That is how you keep everything crystal clear. All this other stuff is secondary. Jesus demonstrated the Father's perfect love in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And gifts are added unto it. Gifts work out and help people grow in certain areas. It heals people. Why? So they can experience His love. You give a person a prophetic word. Why? So they can be honed in into His love. It's all about experiencing the love. God is love. The Father is love. Eden, the highest glory realm available that anyone could ever live in, walk and move and have their being in, is the realm of love. It's the garden of love. That's the place you want to get to in all your heart and mind by experiencing His love, revelations of divine love, being enriched in love, being raised from the realm of the dead, which is critical spirits judgmental spirits, religious spirits, poverty spirits, come out of that realm of death and hell into the realm of love in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Donate at We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.